about what your gift is, what do you think? You think about what is my gift? What did God give me? We all can come in agreement uh, that God has given us salvation. That God has given us that, that eternal life. That the worst thing that can happen to me is I'm going to go to heaven. That's the very, that's it. There's nothing else past that. But that's not the gift I'm talking about. See, I think sometimes when we, when we, we get so inverted in our views that we only are thinking of ourselves. And, you know, and I think that has invaded the church today. It's, it's invaded why we do the things we do. Do we do the things we do uh, so that we can be noticed? So that we can be praised? Uh, because it looks good. Uh, maybe uh, you're making uh, personal contacts. Uh, maybe you're uh, making contacts for a business. Maybe, maybe you're doing all these things, but it's not enough just to come and show up. It's never been enough. But it's never been enough to just think about ourselves. I mean, you know, Pastor asked earlier, you know, can you remember the day you got saved? Can you remember how great that day was? Then what happened? Same thing that happens to all of us. You know, we get back out in the world. I mean, if we could stay right here in church and never leave, it'd be great, wouldn't it? I mean, it would. I mean, you know, even if we disagree, we disagree differently. I mean, it's not, it's not a whole lot of malice. I mean, we're very fortunate at Victory Fellowship that we don't sit here and, and browbeat and micromanage and, and try to control each other with the Word of God. But once we walk out these doors, do we still have that same attitude? Do we still have that same attitude that, that I'm sharing, I'm, I'm trying to encourage, I'm trying to, um, to grow one another with the Word of God, or am I trying to control a narrative? And we'll talk more about that narrative as we go on, but, you know, first thing, I mean, you need to think is, is what, does, what does your Christian life portray as far as these attributes? It says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So, briefly, you know, just as He has loved us, is that the way we love one another? I mean, I'm telling you, this is, this is earth-shattering if you can get past this, to love one another. No matter what somebody does to you, no matter what they're going to do, because they're going to continue to do it, somewhere, somebody will, somewhere, take advantage of you. Somebody will uh, take something from you. Somebody will steal something from you. Someone might even take a loved one from you, but do we still love one another as Christ loved us? I mean, it's easy for me to remember where Christ pulled me from. I mean, I didn't deserve it. I sure didn't love Him, but it didn't change what He thought about me. That's where we have to get back to. But everybody gets caught up in, in, in you know, in pride and, and different things about how it looks and about how it makes them feel or, or it makes them feel weak. But when you can grasp the knowledge that God's love Jesus' love that He gave you, that He gave His life so that you can have that. So He can give you that moment of peace, that moment of clarity. When you grasp that that's what you can give somebody else, that's the gift we're talking about. You know, no, I can't save anyone. But I can sure introduce somebody that saved me. But now, does my life show that? 
Greater love has no one than this than, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So ask yourself, have you laid your life down? Have you? You know, if you're married, did you give your life to your wife? Wife, did you give your husband your life? Have you laid it down? Before you became a Christian, are you still the same person that you were before you was a Christian? Before you got saved, have you laid that life down? Have you gave that life? You have kids. Have you gave that life? Now, here's where, you know, we kind of get off the tracks a little bit. Is, is you know, I will do anything for my kids. I will do anything for my family. I'll give my life for my family. But we withhold God's Word. We hold, withhold God's truth. We start twisting God's Word to fit around our situations. See, as great as that love is and all the power that comes with it, there's also that other side. You know, it helped me to realize a lot of things that I heard growing up. Um, you know, my parents tell me and, you know, things they said, well, you know, I'm doing it because I look. Well, I didn't really understand it until I had kids. But nobody really explained it either. And, you know, and I'm trying to raise my kids to understand that, that, that sometimes there's hard things has to be done out of love. There's hard things that the body of Christ and the church has to do that we have not been doing. I mean, you know, it's easy to stand and talk about all the, all the topics that are in the news uh, that you see every day. And those are, those are things that we need to be aware of. Those are things that, that we need to use God's voice, which should be our voice, to stand against. But it's the way we stand against them. So many times have I been sitting in church, and, and not necessarily this one, but, you know, in, in years past, and, you know, they're preaching against homosexuality, they're preaching against this, they're preaching against drugs, they're tri- preaching against alcohol, preaching against, you know, cigarettes, tobacco, whatever it is. But a lot of times they're preaching against what hits them personally. You know, what they do easy. What is easy for them, they want to pass off to the congregation, to the world, is that's what you need to do. But in reality, they overlook the most difficult things that are sitting right in front of them. You know, we live in a time where, where you know, everything is getting more expensive. Um, you know, every time you turn around, uh, gas is up, power is up, this is up, I mean, groceries are up, you know, rent's up, payment's up. You know, just like us trying to raise money for a building fund. I mean, it's hard. You know, everybody's strapped. they got money everywhere. And, uh, and I believe that if it's God's will, and it is for us to, to grow and, and to love and to edify one another, we may not agree on how we do it, but if it's His will, we will grow. But a lot of times we back away from the church and, and we don't tell the whole truth. We talk about loving each other. We even go and say, well, you know, Jesus said that you... Us, we are his friends if whatever, if we do whatever he commands. But that don't mean anything. That's what he commands. A lot of times we back up and we get confused. And and we get scared. We let fear get in us. Uh, We don't do the things that God would have us do. We we just kind of muddle around them. I mean, so many times have I heard all these things preached again. And sitting in the church, I know that there's people shacked up. 
There's fornication. There's adultery. There's all these things going on. There's divorces running rampant. Uh, you know, child abuse, spousal abuse, all these things. And nothing's ever said. And why is that? It's the nation we live in. Right? So the nation we live in is controlled by whoever's got the most money. Or whoever can accumulate the most money. Our churches have started going that same direction. You know, we're afraid to preach against all these things. We're afraid to preach uh, that somebody's going to take offense. We're afraid to say things. Somebody's going to get mad at us. But this is God's Word. The same Word that everybody's willing to accept. Love one another. Give, Give your life for one another. But part of giving that life is doing the hard things too. How many of us like confrontation? Nobody. Which secretly, I know there's probably some that do. It's just like, no, we're in church, we can't do that. Right? <laughs> I know, I know some husbands and some wives going, I know he, he loves confrontation. There's a difference in confrontation and aggravation. So I'll just point that out because I see my wife's eyes back there sparkling. But no, nobody likes it. But why do we have to do it? God has given us everything to do it. Everything. Everything we need is God's Word. But now we have to live a life that somebody looks at us and goes, well, you know, that's not Him personally. That's what God's Word says. But then maybe we have to talk about it enough and, and, and often enough that maybe they learn a little bit about the Bible so they know it's not, it's not Pat's words. Anybody that knew me from 20 years ago knows that if I say anything from the Bible, it dang sure didn't come from me. But now that's how different I am today versus 20 years ago. But it takes time. It takes effort. But it's part of that love that we have for one another that he's talking about there that we give that life. We don't, we don't do the natural. We don't, we don't try to manipulate. We don't try to intimidate. We don't try to... Uh, to condemn, we don't try to do any of these things. We just use God's Word and let it speak for itself. And you know, it's weird, you know, that when, when all these folks was getting the Bible together and they put them to print and doing all these things and they give you uh, ledgers and study versions and, and different things to use, it's amazing and great that they did what they did. Because it will kind of line the Bible up and give you examples. So you say, well, what, is, what does that look like? So if you go to Romans 12, and there are several verses here. We'll read 9 through 21. Um, we'll start off, we'll read it with the context in full. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lacking or not lagging in diligent, favorite in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those uh, who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with, hum- with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. I want you to remember that. 
beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So again, that's what we should look like. I mean, there's so many examples. It's not just there, but there's so many examples in the Bible that tells us, one, how to live, how not to live, how to accomplish it, and what does it look like. And so many times we we hide behind the fact, well, I just don't know. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what it really looks like. I don't know what it feels like. Sometimes, you know, we just have to have faith that if we're doing what God's Word says, then no matter what I feel like right now, then I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. You know, just like we're talking about prayers. And, you know, throwing them up and it being the, uh, the, the pathway to God, and, 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 but it's our faith. It takes our faith. And if some of us would talk about some of the things that we've went through, some of the things that we've been through, some of the things that, that we've shared, some of the things, not just the, the, the downside, but the victories of it. Coming out the other side. But then sometimes we need to talk about the downfalls, uh, the things that happen in life that are not victories. And sometimes we need to understand that we don't have the answers for everything. God may have them. But guess what? God may give me an answer that He don't give you. But He may give you an answer that He doesn't give me. But if we, if we cannot come together and be open and be honest, then what do we got? So first of all, you know, it starts off at 9. It says uh, hypocrisy. So what does hypocrisy mean? I mean, we all, we all live it. Uh, we all are working to get away from it. We're all working extremely hard every day to get away from it. It sneaks up on you. I mean, have you ever noticed that most of the time when the devil's trying to ruin your life, that all he really does is sneak in the back door and then it's done, done, before you realize what's going on? I mean, how many times have we looked like this? So hypocrisy says the practice of claiming to have moral standards or belief to which one's behavior does not conform. Right? See, what makes us different from the world is we actually try to be Christians on the outside. The world doesn't. They're not to the same standard. We don't hold them to a standard. We don't expect a standard from them. We are supposed to be the standard. And where does our standard come from? It comes from God. It comes from above. It comes from that light, that same light that you experienced that that made you realize that no matter how bad your life was, that that day of salvation, you changed. That's what hypocrisy is. Now, hypocrisy is is we come to church and we amen, we stand up, we sing songs, we raise our hand, uh, we speak in tongues, don't speak in tongues, speak in something that nobody understands, whatever it is. But then when we leave these doors... We're talking in some other tongues, right? We're spewing hatred. We're spewing filth. We're spewing garbage. We're conniving. We're cheating. We're trying to figure out how I'm going to get ahead of somebody. Or how I'm going to get even with somebody. Well, they did this to me. Well, i got to make sure I position myself so I benefit. Control the narrative. How many of us have, have lived on the wrong side of the tracks long enough that it's hard to get away from controlling the narrative? It's hard to get away from... Playing the game. How many of us talk about playing the game at work? I know I have. 
You got to play that game. You got to position yourself. You got to always be covering your back. You always got to be looking. How am I going to get a raise? How am I going to do this? How am I going to make him happy? How am I not going to make him happy? But I'm telling you, when you realize how to play the game and it's God's game. So now when I speak of playing the game, it's a different game. My God. My God. I mean, think about it. My God. Our God. What can He do? What has He done? What is He going to do? Where has He brought you from? We talk about it on Wednesday nights with the young adults. And, and I urge you, if you're not coming and you're a young adult, you need to. Because we talk about life. We talk about how to live life every day. We talk about how to be a Christian. We talk about what it looks like to be a Christian. We talk about what it doesn't look like to be a Christian. We talk about the real things that I never heard growing up. All I ever heard growing up was you can't do this because you can't do this. Don't care what you feel like, you just can't do it. You know, we started something here and, and, and Pastor's been on it and now... Pastor Mark's on it is discipling. It's trying to grow. It's trying to learn God's Word. What do we do? How do we, how do we do it? What do we look like? And here it is. You know, don't be overcome by evil. So abhor. So what does abhor mean? It means regard with disgust or hatred. Cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Hate what is evil. Get away from it. Be disgusted by it. What do we do? Who do we run with? What do we do? I mean, back when I was in school, it's kind of weird. So, I was raised up in church. You know, most of my life. I mean, we bounced back and forth. We'd go for a while. We didn't go for a while. Then we went again. Then we didn't go again. But I knew about church. I mean, you know, I can remember going to the Methodist church uh right across the road over there, and I was one of them little, I don't even know what, what they call them, the little candle boys or whatever, you know, where the little robes or lights of candles up front, and you snuff them out uh, at the end of the service. Uh, I don't know, altar boy maybe? I don't know. But anyway, I, I did all that. I can remember at 16, you know, thinking life has got so bad, you know, I'm, I'm getting into some stuff It's pretty rowdy. Uh, Mom and them's on my case. Daddy's, you know, riding me right and left, working me like a mule, a broke-down mule at that. Uh, you know what? I think what I'll do is I'll go up in front of the church and I'll play a game. And, you know, maybe it'll stick. Maybe it won't. I don't know. So I went and got saved and got some water stowed on me and, and went back to the pew after that. You know, everybody tell me, great job, glad you're in the family. And I was like, well, you know, I don't really feel any different idea before I went up there. But maybe, just maybe, I will snow daddy in him enough that he'll get off my back. Right? Well, that's what, I mean, we've all experienced that to some degree. But, I mean, and that's where we've got. So where we have to be different is we have to talk about. We have to share God's Word. Not necessarily my Word. I can share my experiences. I can tell you what not to do. I can tell you that all day long because I've probably not, I did all that. I've got papers to prove that, that I've had issues with anger. I got papers to prove I got issues with uh, depression. I got papers to show that I got issues with drinking. I got papers to show I had issues with drugs. I've got all of those papers. I can share what not to do. I can share where not to go. I can share who not to be around. I can share who not to run with. 
But God has gave me something to share of what to do and why to do. Who to share it with. Why we share it. Why we don't do the things that, that we all have got up. You know, one of the worst things I hear grown-ups say about their children is, well, you know, you know, you were a boy. And we always we say boys will be boys. I mean, and, and there's some truth in that. I mean, they're rough and rowdy and, you know, tension spans kind of like a, you know, like a, a year-old Labrador retreat. I mean, you know, just tearing stuff up. I mean, that ain't really mean, just, you know, just bouncing off everything. But they say it for a lot more things. You know, children will be children. You remember what it was like to be young? Yes, I do. I sure do. And some of these things they're going to experience. But what can you do? Well, one, you can pray that your Savior will save them. You can pray for that protection. You can pray for, for wisdom. You don't have to be 30 and been in jail three or four times to have wisdom. That's not wisdom. That's finally God finally getting a hold of me and me hitting bottom enough that I listen. But our children don't have to be that way. But we have to do the hard things. We have to do the hard things. And I know how hard it is to say no. But the Bible even tells us how to do that. Let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. I mean, think about it. Think about how much problem we have with all this game playing, with all this manipulating, with all this compromise. No. I mean, think about, think about not just our children, but, but our own personal lives, our work lives. Think about all the things we open up by being middle of the road. God's Word is not middle of the road. You're either right or you're wrong. You either abhor, you either hate and disgust by evil, or you're not. And I know it's hard now because evil is hitting so rampant in every direction. It's in every family. There's something going on in every family. I mean, we could turn on the news now, and it's amazing the where my house sits. I can remember... 15 years ago, looking out the window, and I can see Highway 55, and looking out the window, and you'd see a blue lights at 10 o'clock at night once every couple of weeks. I see three, four, five of them every night. Every night. So, I mean, it's running rampant all around us. But stand firm, and that controls how we act. That controls how we think. I mean, that even makes us doubt God's Word. You know, we've got three children that we're, we've raised and, and are raising. They're kind of grown in their own minds and sort of at some age. Uh, I think at 19 you can finally be considered a real adult. And a couple of them's, <laughs> a couple of them's that ones. Well, yeah, they're all that. But, so, but there's still work to be done. There's still work to be done. And, and, you know, there's been ups, there's been downs in all of this. But you know what? I had to tell Jeannie several weeks ago, I said, look, God made a promise in His Word. And that promise is, if we raise those children up in the ways of the Lord, they shall come back. You know, for me, I was raised that way. My mother didn't get to see it. Now, I don't know what she's thinking right now. She's in heaven, so I'm sure she's not thinking about nothing but, you know, heavenly stuff. She's chilled. She's, she's, she's doing what... A lot of us think is, is boring sometimes. She's, she's talking to God. She's praising God. She's doing all the things. She's no pain, no anything. 
But now my father got to see the change. And I'm glad of that. I'm glad for their sake. But it's a testament for their sake. My mother never gave up on me. She didn't give up on me till the day she died. She never did. She was talking long before God ever got a hold of me. But evidently God had spoken to her enough that she knew something was going to happen. But that's what we have to do. We have to keep pressing forward. Um, verse 12, it talks about rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Rejoicing in hope. How do we do that? I mean, if you ain't got hope, you don't have anything. I mean, that's what the devil wants to rob you from. That's what the world wants to rob you from. I mean, I heard a thing on the on the, the news or the radio one the other day. It said uh, this year uh, or this past year that due to inflation and everything going on, that the average family is spending three uh, or four hundred dollars more a month on groceries than what they were two years ago. Yeah, I mean it is. You know, whoever thought that 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 you know a dozen eggs would be six bucks? See, I've seen a lot of this stuff happening already, but it's been in California. So you know, I was able to travel, you know, over the last you know ten, I guess about ten years, and so they've been fighting all this from day one. It's just now it's all starting to move over here. But how do you rejoice? How do you do? I mean, how do you continue to keep hope? How do you continue to, to have hope? How do you continue to have faith? I want you to think about it. So most of us, you know, we've been in a relationship or we're in a relationship, and the only way we can really map things out in our human mind is use what's right beside us. So I want you to look to your partner, your wife, your spouse, your husband, and I want you to realize how much faith and how much love you have in them. And if you don't have that much, then you need to get some of that because it ain't going to work. And backing out and putting it in reverse and throwing your hands up, calling it quits, that don't work either. Because, again, that goes against God's Word. And no matter what you've done in the past or what you think you may have done in the past, the only thing that matters is from now forward. Make amends. Repent. Get forgiveness. Live the life that God would have you live today. But I want you to understand something when you look and you think, well, I love my wife or my husband, my father, my grandparents, whatever it is, my children. I love them more than anything. Do anything. I mean, how many times do we do without so our kids can do with? I mean, how many times do we do without and give our kids something so when they go to school they don't get made fun of? Right? And we still do it. And we continue to do it. I mean, who would have thought? Who would have thought that, that as smart as our federal government is or ain't would be contemplating wiping out TikTok? How many folks got TikTok on their phone? Why do you got it? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. But why do you think the federal government is saying, 
We're going to get rid of it. Yeah? Well, what the conservative Christian and the church should have said is get rid of it because it's garbage. All of it is. There's nothing but filth in it. I mean, think about it. Think about how many times we get tempted as an adult. Think how many times I've been looking at this phone. All I got is internet on. But think how many times when I'm searching and I say, you know, I want to see a big buck. Well, start typing some of these words in and see what pops up. And then go, oh, I can't look at that. How many times are we tempted? How many times do we fall? How many times are we honest with one another? I mean, think about it. Think about it, men and women. How many times do we walk up and down the road and tell me how many times we go to the gym and we see somebody half naked or we go to the beach, how many times we're tempted, what we're thinking about and how we polish it off as, well, you know, that's just human nature. Yes, we're born in the nature of sin, but we're called into the nature of light. We're called in the nature of love. We're called in looking at one another and loving one another, not lusting. I mean, this is coming up on on Valentine's Day. So what does Valentine's Day mean to you? Does it mean buying candy? Does it mean, uh, you know, lingerie? Does it mean all these things? Whatever it means, it should mean love. We should understand where our love comes from. We need to understand how our love grows, how it's nurtured. So who would have thought that the federal government is finally getting to the point where you know we're they're still in trade secrets, and they are. I mean, think about it. Think about all the programming that's on this. Yeah. Think about how me and my wife can be talking about Tupperware, and then I start getting emails about Tupperware. Yeah. Do I look like I care about Tupperware? <laughs> no. But we don't realize it. I mean, we were so worried, and now granted, I, I think a lot of lies came from our government, and I think they still do. And no matter what you think about COVID and and shots and all that stuff. But we're so worried about somebody putting something in a shot and giving us, and we're walking around and they know exactly what you're saying, when you're saying it, how you're saying it. I mean, think about the last time you gathered as a family. Think about the last time you talked to somebody at the store. Think about just sitting down. Think about going to somebody's house and having a conversation. Were you able to have one? Or was everybody on their phone? I mean, I've been riding my kids for years. It's amazing to me that as me as a young man, of course, I didn't have this challenge. I had other challenges. I had to, like, go out and do drugs and drink and all that stuff. Um, But I actually had to go somewhere. But I've been watching my kids for years. You know, they'll bring a girl home or whatever, you know, a girlfriend. They're dating. And they sit on the couch. They turn the TV on. So the TV's blaring. They're sitting on the couch, and they're sitting there texting each other on the phone. That's funny, ain't it? And we say, oh, them silly kids. Well, how many adults do you think I've seen do that? Hmm? Where do they learn it from? Where is it allowed from? Why do our kids not know how to get to Hartzell? And they've been going to Hartzell. How many, how many years have they been going to Hartzell before they drive? How many of them know how to get to Danville? How many of them know how to read a map? They don't even sell maps anymore. But again, that's all coming back to where we start. I mean, are we really truly loving one another? Are we calling each other out? 
Are we loving one another? Are we encouraging one another? I understand how difficult it is. Look, you know, I read a story about Billy Graham when he traveled. And he'd go to a motel. And he'd have them take the TV out of his motel. And I thought, well, that's kind of silly. So this happened to me one time. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, I was embarrassed. And then I was kind of embarrassed. And I, I, you know, I kind of felt guilty even going down there and talking to him. So I was in California, and I was in this motel. And I flipped on the channel. I was flipping through. And usually, like, you know, the rough, real rough stuff, you know, you got to, like, you know, have it turned on or call down there and say, you know, hey, I want some, I want some of this hardcore stuff. So I'm flipping through there, right? And, of course, you know, I'm new to the company. I'm traveling. You know, they're pretty tight with their expenses and what they look at. And so on, they didn't know me from nothing. I mean, I'd really been there about six months. So I'm flipping through channels one night, and, man, I come across this. Whoo, it's great. I was like, holy smokes, what is that? I mean, it was some, sure enough, uh, uh, stuff. <laughs> so I was sitting there. I just, of course, I flipped it off this fast. I was like, oh, my God. And so I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm thinking about it all night. I thought, well, man, what are they going to think about me? Well, you know, they don't know I'm a preacher. Well, they don't care anyway. Why, you know, it ain't no big deal. And I thought, well, you know, what's my company going to think if, you know, when I pay this motel bill, there's a line out of there that says pornography? I mean, that'd probably be a, that'd probably be a boot in the rear end, right? You know, straight out the door. Would be if it was my company. So I go down there and talk to the lady at the front desk, and guess what? It wasn't a lady. <laughs> it was like a 20-year-old young lady. I'm like, oh. I said, look, miss, um, I said, I got an issue with the room. She goes, what's wrong with that? I said, well, there's nothing really wrong with the room, but there's got to be something wrong with the cable. She goes, what do you mean? I thought, well, man, there's some stuff on there that's usually like some sure enough, pay a lot of money, you know, hardcore junk. I mean, it ain't just, you know, like simple, uh, you know, whatever. It's, 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 it's pretty hardcore. She goes, what do you mean, like pornography? I was like, yeah, that's what I mean, it's pornography. I mean, like some vulgar, good, nasty stuff. Oh, well, it just comes on. I said, oh. I said, well, so, so y'all don't charge extra? She said, no. No. No, it's just whatever you know is on their cable network. But I didn't stay at that motel no more. Uh, but I said, well, I tell you what, this, can you just cut it off? I said, well, never mind, I'll just, I'll just take the cord off. And so, you know, I was telling my my boss about it, and he's like, well, Lord, I never would have. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't, none of us stayed there. Nobody's ever stayed there. I just thought I'd stay there because it was a little bit cheaper, and it was, I was doing the company good. But, but again, that's what I'm saying. So, Billy Graham used to do the same thing. That's what we have got to get back to. There's so many things that were done 50, 60, 70 years ago that for some reason, and my infinite wisdom. Thank God I wasn't writing laws and policy at 25. Um, but we've changed so much stuff. We've, we've allowed so much stuff to get in our house. We've allowed so much stuff to get in our, our children's lives. I mean, if a grown man preaching the Word of God, trying to live the life that he needs to live, if, if I can't control it sometimes then why would we think a 12-year-old kid could? 
Why would we think a 16-year-old kid would? Why do we think a 16-year-old is not going to get in a vehicle and drive down the road doing this? Do we do it? No, nah, I don't do it. Yeah, I do. I mean, I try not. Thank God I got a, a vehicle now that's got, uh, what, what's it called, Bluetooth? Yeah, there you go. Um, and so I don't have to do none of it. I mean, it comes through the... But when I didn't, yeah. I mean, are we really putting forth our best foot? Are we really doing what God has called us to do? Are we really teaching what God's Word tells us to teach? I mean, do, do we look like any of these attributes that we read this morning? Does our lives portray that? Are we heaping coals on everybody's head? Or are we too busy trying to get one up? Are we too busy trying to get back at somebody? I mean, think about it. I know in my life it's always been about me. You know, when I got saved, I had finally reached a point that, you know, I just I didn't have nothing else to do. I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't I couldn't fix it. I mean I was just I was just wore out. But I've got a lot of friends that never made it to that point. And I think we're naive when we look at one another and we say, Well, you know what, just let them work out their own salvation. Well, we've done taking fear out of it, so we're just letting them work out their own salvation because we're not supposed to be fearful anymore. Different kinds of fear. So, you know, I kind of explained it to my children kind of like this. It got to a point, and it really hit hard when I had to call my brother and come bail me out of jail. My family was in Florida. Um, you know, at the beach. Of course, I didn't go because, you know, I didn't go. So I had to call him, which was pretty embarrassing. Um, then when my family come back from the beach, I had to explain to him what had happened. But it had already started before that. I mean, I'm standing on the side of the road on 67 at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in front of the refuge um, office there. And the cop walks up, and of course Luke was, you know, still in the car seat. Um, of course, he wasn't with me. He was in Florida. So the cop walks up, the bed of the truck's full of beer bottles and cans and everything. Walks in the back seat, and of course the back floorboard's full of beer bottles and stuff. And then I had a six-pack. Of course, it was empty. It was just empty. I had it buckled into the, the, the car seat. And, you know, and I don't know, I mean, you know, you get caught up in all this stuff, and it seems kind of funny, you know, now. But you get caught up in so much stuff. You're not a bad person. I wasn't a bad person as far as societies. But now what kind of, what kind of example is that? That's what we're teaching one another. And so I'm sitting there, and, of course, he's shining his light. Of course, I see his eyes. I mean, it didn't really bother him about the back of the truck that much, but I seen his eyes when he, he seen that six-pack that buckled into the car seat. Now, now some of you have been where I've been. Y'all know why I had it buckled in. You don't want it flying out. Come on. I mean, but is that not sad? And I seen his eyes, and I seen it then, and then it hit me. 
You know, it's not enough to be a good person. It's not enough to get up and go to work and, and work from can to can. It's not enough to take care of your family and do all the things and go through the motions. It's not enough. Just like today, it's not enough just to come here. I mean, it's great that you do. But if that's the only sacrifice we make for God in a week, is coming to church and being obedient, then that's not enough. And shame on us for not ever talking about it. Shame on us for making everything out to be puppy dogs and sunshine. Because it's not. But it's not enough. It's not just about me. It's about us. It's not just about us. It's about our communities. It's about our families. It's about our state. It's about our federal government. It's about our president. And if you don't think you can make a difference, then you're wrong. You know, I had a couple of guys that gave their life for me. And they did every day. I mean, and they had to work hard at it. But when I was working before I got saved, there was two guys, and, and you know, they're pretty godly men, and, and they wear me out every day. Well, how's your day going? Shut up. You happy? Do I look happy? I'm fine. What's wrong with you? But then they'd tell me about how happy they were. Even when they wasn't happy. And I could see, you know, that there was things bothering them. But they always had that love and that desire for God. You know, it talks about being diligent. Uh, it talks about fervent. You know, being diligent is doing something on purpose. I mean, working towards something. Think about all the things we do. Think about all the places we've come from to get to this point today. Think of all the things we've overcome. And think about how we overcome them. In the middle of it, you never thought you would make it. But you've made it to this point. Well, this is not the end. This is only the beginning. You know, the glass ain't half empty. It's half full. And it's hard to live that life every day with all the problems that's coming against you. But that's when you have to back up and you have to remember you know, God didn't forsake us. We've forsaken Him. God made us a promise that we shall have life and have life more abundant. All right, I'll finish with this last verse. Uh, Cole, when I get done, this you'll play some music. I didn't give you a miss. It's 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord is, is not slack concerning His promise, um, as some count slackness. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's not slack. You know, only problem we got with time is time itself. God doesn't look at the time the same way we do. We have to realize that 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 God has been wanting. He has desire is not for any of us to fall. His desire is not for any of us not to be saved, but it's to come to Him in repentance. Think about the last time. Think about the last time that you were able to slow down enough that you could come to God at this altar or at your altar at home 
or in a closet or driving down the road or wherever it may be, standing right now in your pew, that you come to a point that the world cease to be ringing in your ears and you repent it. I think that's one of the hardest things and the, and the easiest things the devil messes up and up with is we get so busy that we do not come to God in repentance. We don't think about the things that we've done. We don't want to learn from the things we've done. We don't want to grow. We don't want to go forward. We always want to look back and do nothing. Think about it. Without repentance, where do you go from there? It's not enough just to come. It's not enough just to go through the motions. It's not enough to say you love something 